Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Zanigris alongside Matt Ferrara. We finally made it. The Super Bowl is set and championship Sunday has come and gone. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Green Bay Packers by a score of 31 to 26. And then the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Buffalo Bills by a score of 38 to 24. A lot to talk about in terms of both games. Uh, Both games were very entertaining. Um, one game went the way that we thought it would go that we alluded to last episode. One didn't. And there was a there's a big coaching kind of gaffe that we're going to get into. And that's where we're going to start. Green Bay defeated by Tampa Bay. Tom Brady going to another Super Bowl, his first season in Tampa, going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be the first time in the NFL's history that the host city's team will be in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's in Tampa. Tampa Bay Buccaneers play in Tampa, obviously. And this is the 10th Super Bowl for Tom Brady. We'll get into the Buccaneers and what they've accomplished in a second. But the big takeaway from this game, well, there's really two. One was the final sequence of play calling that uh, Matt LaFleur had with Aaron Rodgers, obviously not going on it, going for it on for the goal, kicking the field goal, getting within five and trusting your defense against Tom Brady. And then when they got to that point where they had a third down, a very, um, interesting pass interference slash hold. I forget exactly what penalty it was when for the entire game, the officiating let the guys play the entire time didn't really call a lot. And they decided that point. Now they want to implement their stamp into the game and call a game ending, essentially penalty on the green Bay defense. We'll start with the coaching decision to not go for it on that fourth down. When they were lining up for the field goal. I was like half paying attention to the game. I think I was eating or something. And then I like glanced up and they're mm. hitting the field goal. And I was like, that's not right. That's, that's not what you're supposed to do. And I feel like we've had yeah. this conversation the last couple weeks in this playoff, in this 2020 NFL playoffs with teams and coaches going with this analytical kind of aspect to coaching and decision-making. And this was just the wrong decision. You can make the argument that, you know, on the third down play, Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers had a lane to get to the pylon. He didn't need to throw it to Adams for the incompletion. He could have ran it in. If he didn't get to the goal line, he would have gotten to at least the, the one or two, and then you make the fourth down call easier. But it was fourth and goal from the eight, I believe. LaFleur decides to kick the field goal. They kick the field goal. You're still down by five, so you still need to stop at a touchdown. So nothing really changed from being down eight. So... It, it it was a really it was a really bad coaching mistake, and for good reason, Lafleur is taking the brunt of the blame um, in the hours and days since that game. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just shades of uh, Kevin Cash with Blake Snell with now Lafleur and Rogers of just the distrust in the coaching staff. And Rogers kind of came out after the game, and he didn't really grill Lafleur too hard, but he kind of just said like it wasn't my call. So you kind of could feel his anger, I guess, in it. And again, it's just, I don't understand why you make that call, like to kick the field. Like it just, it makes no sense. And everybody you see on sports media and and Twitter, whether you're an analyst or not, is saying you have the MVP of the league in Aaron Rodgers and you need one play and you need seven, eight yards, whatever it was to get a touchdown. That's your ball game right there. And you still had three timeouts and the two minute warnings to basically four timeouts if you didn't get it. So why wouldn't you just at least attempt to instead of kicking the field goal, then onside and trying to get that, which has like a 99% failure rate. And then, and then kind of, it just, it didn't make any sense to me. And I don't know again, who was telling the floor if, if he himself was just like, yeah, we're going to kick the field goal, take the points, like just made absolutely no sense. And this is one of those things that you referenced before saying the analytics, I guess, told him to take the three points, but in everybody else's eyes in the NFL, that's not what you do there. Andy Reid, again, if, if he was coaching the Packers in that situation, he's going for it on fourth down. I think every other smart coach would be doing the same. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at it mathematically, really, there's really no difference between being down eight points and being down five. You still need, mm-hmm. a, a, like, even if they didn't get the fourth down, you're still in the same position that you are in down. if you kick the field goal and we're down five points. You still need to get a stop. And you still need to then score a touchdown because you can't get five points on a field goal. You need a touchdown. So mm-hmm. it, just like it, it, I, the risk, the 
I guess playing it safe is what I'm trying to say is playing it safe there to get three points to cut it to five is not worth trusting, I guess, giving it back to your defense for. You might as well just go for the end zone and then you have an opportunity there to tie the game right there. Instead, you have to trust your defense against Tom Brady, who is probably the all-time best quarterback arguably ever. And all he needed was a first down. And you trust your defense to get that stop, and then boom, automatic on first down, they gain like nine yards, where they have to intentionally have an encroachment penalty to start again. And then they had the stop, really, and then kind of a um, a controversial call. But it, just, it didn't make sense because you have Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP of the league. He's the MVP of the league by a lot. He's had this amazing season. You just need eight yards. I know that the previous downs in that kind of possession weren't, you know, great. But how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers make something happen on fourth down? How many times have we seen him make much more difficult down and distances to save the Packers over the years? I mean, time and time again, whether it be Hail Marys, whether it be scrambling with his feet to extend the play to find someone in the back corner of the end zone, He's done it time and time again. And I know LaFleur hasn't been there for all of those instances. It was Mike McCarthy for a long time. But you have to mm-hmm. you have to have common sense. Like I don't care what the analytics tell you. The analytics are formulated through similar situations with a bunch of different teams with a bunch of different quarterbacks. But you have Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So who do you trust more or who would someone with common sense trust more? Aaron Rodgers or the Packers defense, the answer is always going to be Aaron Rodgers a hundred out of a hundred times. Yeah. Again, it's just throughout like kind of that end of the fourth quarter. Like you have to be assuming like, listen, we have a finite number of chances to score and to try to win this game. And they were down to basically their last chance. And then they decided to take one away and they took it out of the offensive hand. It just, it, it, it made no sense to me. And I'm very curious, like what his reasoning was. Cause I still haven't seen it. Besides, like, I haven't seen any thoughts on what he said about it. Yeah, so I'm kind of waiting for and stuff like that I haven't like seen anybody surface. really defend him. It, this is a universally panned coaching decision. So I'm yeah. curious if everybody at home watching knew that this was the bad, uh, the mis- this was a mistake, and this is what he shouldn't have done. And probably everyone mm-hmm. on the sideline was probably thinking the same thing when they were lining up for the field goal. They were probably like, why is this happening? Even the Buccaneers were probably like, why are they doing this? Yeah. Nobody's in LaFleur's ear. None of his coordinators, nobody, none of his coaching staffs in his ear. Like, we should go for it here. Because the game, the game after Kansas City, they have a coach in Andy Reid. It's it's the complete opposite. He They don't give a fuck. They'll mm-hmm. go for fourth down whenever they want to. And they have the confidence yeah. to get it every single time because they have Patrick Mahomes. Or, you know, Chad Henney on that one instance last two weeks ago. So yeah. if Andy Reid can have the confidence in Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers is on the level of Patrick Mahomes, obviously. So why mm-hmm. does Reid trust Mahomes, but LaFleur, for whatever reason, doesn't trust Rodgers? It, it just fundamentally doesn't make sense. Yeah, and again, while while on the topic of coaching blunders, we can segue back to uh, the last play of the first half with the oh, Buccaneers. Yeah. They were... they. They were too far away from field goal, and there was what like six seconds left, something like that. So they would have need to do like a crazy quick out because they had no timeouts. They had to do a little bit of an out route to get out of bounds. But their their play call was atrocious. They said it was a single high. They're playing like press man defense. They're they're not they're shading inside and forcing them out, which also made no sense. And then again, you're giving Tom Brady one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time, that kind of defense with, again, he knew exactly where he was going to the ball. They threw it to uh, that wide receiver. I think with Miller, his name is he, uh, he runs like a four, three just absolutely blazed. Looked off the, the single high safety on the center, bang, dropped a dime down the left side. It just made absolutely no sense. And that was a play that right when it happened, just not even as a fan of the Packers or, or Buccaneers, but you just knew that was going to come back to haunt them. Yeah, I mean, it seems to happen a lot with the Packers in terms of playoff Hail Marys. They're always involved in one. It's either Rodgers mm-hmm. or, you know, Brady yesterday or Eli to Hakeem Nicks in that playoff run. Uh, it's, 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 it was just, that was the first thought in my head. Like, it's always the Packers that are involved with some crazy Hail Mary, whether it be Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson in Arizona. 
is that there's always some Hail Mary weird thing to happen with Green Bay. My second thought was mm-hmm. this is on par with the terrible decision that the Jets made against the Raiders a couple of months ago yeah. that got Greg Williams fired. It was kind of the mm-hmm. exact same play down the exact same side yeah. of the field with the exact same kind of defensive blunder, so to speak. Yeah. You so, had... I don't know what they were thinking. I guess they were thinking, okay, we need to protect from these out routes that are going to get them into field goal range for a long field goal. Mm -hmm. And they just completely just didn't think or didn't, I guess, put into account the idea that Tom Brady, a future Hall of Fame quarterback who's been to nine Super Bowls, now is going to go to his 10th, could air it out 50 yards down the field for a touchdown. Once that happened, I was someone who I picked the Packers in this game. When that play happened, Mm -hmm. I was like... Uh, Tampa might actually win this game. That was the first time I actually thought that Tampa had a shot. Yeah, no, it just it gave them so much life, and that that's just an absolute demoralizer. And again, like as a as a player on the Packers, it's like you you let that up, you let up seven points right before half. You're like, God damn! It's like you were playing so well that first half, and then you have that kind of dagger right in to go to the locker room. And then LaFleur commented on that. He's like, oh, we got to be better as coaches. We can't let that happen, blah, blah, blah. It's like you, you say you can't let it happen after the fact, then why didn't you step in? Same thing kind of with Adam Gase. Like, I know he's the offensive guy, but it's like you're on, like, press man defense in a Hail Mary situation. Like, somebody has to step in. I know a lot of Packer fans and a lot of the sports media saying the uh, uh, Petten, whoever their DC is, should be probably fired for that decision. I want to I'm looking at the highlights now because I want to see if the Packers had any timeouts yet left at the end of that half. But as you said, like they saw what everyone was lined up to do. Nobody Mm -hmm. decided, hey, let's call a timeout here. Let's see. They had one timeout left. So if they didn't see what if they didn't like what they saw at the at the line of scrimmage before the snap, they could easily just burnt a timeout there. So it's just really bad coaching on the Packers part at the end of each half both with the Hail Mary that happened at the end of the first half and then obviously the yeah. big the big blunder by LaFleur not going for it on fourth down. Now, do you think that, you know, everyone's going to blame LaFleur now and for re- good reason, but do you think Aaron yeah. Rodgers should have some of the blame for this game? Or do you think he's completely innocent so, of any sort of blame? Because he had a, he had a good game. He went... Mm-hmm. 33 of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Mm -hmm. Hard to argue that he didn't do what he needed to do. But again, this seems Mm -hmm. to happen a lot. Now, this is a guy that won one Super Bowl 11 years ago now, and he's had a lot of upsets in the playoffs. At what point do we look at Aaron Rodgers for as great as he is, probably, you know, top 10, top five quarterback all time for as great as he is. And he seems to be the common denominator with these playoff shortcomings. Yeah, it's again, it's not necessarily all on him, but something I'm not that saying was it's all, I'm not saying it's all on him, obviously, but like LaFleur is going to get a little, a little bit 80 yeah. percent of the blame, but mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. 10, 15 percent. Do you think Aaron Rodgers deserves a little bit of a hey, you, you've been in this position time and time again. You're now one in four in championship games. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, especially is uh, obviously that that second half. Uh, Brady had uh, the second half. Brady had uh, three picks right there, and I don't think they scored once off. So, he, so all right. So here we go. So after Brady's uh, first interception in the second half, the Packers scored, and then his second interception they punted. His third interception they punted again. So the points off turnovers right there in those last two situations were crucial, and that, that basically ended the game. Because what did, it, uh, it, it, he had Rogers had one pick. Did Tampa score off that pick? So let's look at uh yeah exactly yeah exactly. So uh points off turnovers that that was kind of just the name of the game and the Buccaneers. You noticed that right when they had any sort of uh interception and then even the fumble too when uh Aaron Jones fumbled it they they scored right after that too. So what's that fourteen points off turnovers for the for the Bucks and then for the Packers off turnovers was seven seven so i mean yeah and you have three turnovers you need that. to do better than that if you're aaron Rodgers, you're the mvp of the league when somebody's handing you the ball i'm assuming they got in much three better times field, yeah yeah much better field position on a nor- than a normal punt you got to put mm-hmm. the ball 
in the end zone. Now, I guess my point for this like part of the conversation is that it shouldn't go all on the floor. He isn't a hundred percent the reason yeah. why they lost. They were losing into that going up to that point. Um, you could make the argument that that you could make a really good argument that that field goal ties the game if there's not a drop on the two point conversion. Um, the previous Packers score. I think Lazard dropped the mm-hmm. ball. He was wide open, and he yeah. dropped it instead of a three point game. It's a five point game. And when that happened, mm-hmm. I texted a couple of friends. I'm like, that's going to end up haunting them. And it, up, and it ended up haunting them. So Green Bay loses. Um, before we talk about Rogers' future in Green Bay, because he had a press conference where he said, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone went crazy. Let's just talk about mm-hmm. the offici- officiating for a second, because the officiating was terrible. Yes. Like mm-hmm. they, I like it. I actually like when officials, like, especially in a playoff game, I like it when they let the guys play and let them determine what happens and who wins the game. I hate when flags are just consistently thrown, right? Like mm-hmm. what happened a couple years ago in New Orleans is an absolute sin. Like that should never yeah, happen was, ever again. That was egregious. Yeah, that was the worst. And then once that's happened, I'm like, you know what? No more penalties in the playoff game. Just let them play. But there were a lot of, you know, clearly obvious penalties that were not called one for the first 58 minutes of the game. And then with all that, you know, that's fine if you're going to do it on both sides, but to have like a very, I guess a a very soft hold with the holding of the Jersey at the end of the game, which is an absolute penalty by, by definition of the rule, it's a penalty. Mm -hmm. But when you go the entire 58 minutes before that of not calling that, and then decide to call it with the game on the line, that's a real bad job by the NFL, by the NFL. Yeah, I think Goodell has to step in. I pray to God that those those refs aren't the the crew doing the Super Bowl because it, it was atrocious. And I, I agree to some extent that yeah, you want to let them play. And I think I think what what I mean by that, and I think what a lot of people mean by that is like say there's a 50-50 ball. That's where you kind of let them play. It's like maybe you allow a little bit of hand fighting, but there were holds and and, and pass interferences before the ball was even kind of thrown. Uh, thrown. Period. And you saw it with one of Rogers' picks that the wide receiver got held a little bit, and then basically catapulted the DB from the Bucks to to pick it off. So, I just and the the worst part is that they were keeping it consistent at the very least. It was even for both teams, and then in the, the the most crucial part of the game, that fourth quarter, then they decide to do their job, and it just like. It, it pisses me off so much is it's because like you've been doing a terrible job the yeah. whole entire game and and you have and now you want to kind of change or have that inconsistency it changes the whole kind of outlook at the game and it, it almost seems like they threw that flag to make up for all the flags they missed before and that's the biggest thing that i hate just about sports in general and i think obviously officiating has just such a huge role in the outcomes of games. I mean, you see it in basketball when there's fouls called every two seconds, you obviously see it in baseball with the strike zone. And it's something that they need to address. I don't know if that means maybe being able to challenge PI calls in just in the playoffs. Cause I know they tried it last year and they kind of got rid of it, but maybe in the playoffs you, you allow it again, but it just, it was such a bad job. And then they try to kind of right their wrongs in my eyes by throwing that last flag, which again, I, we both agree. And I think everyone agrees that it was a flag. I mean, the guy's Jersey was pulled basically stretched out two feet. So it's like, how do you not call that then? So it just an overall awful job that, that costs probably the Packers uh, a potential Super Bowl. I think what makes people mad is not bad officiating, but just inconsistent officiating. If you're agreed, uh, if you have a bad officiating crew for the entire game for on both sides, I think both fan bases, both teams, the media, whatever, they'll just do, they'll just say, you know, it was terrible, but it was on both sides. Now, when there's now when there's one call that just goes really in favor of one team and that one call is the last call of the game and it determines the winner and loser of the game, that's when people are going to get upset. Like in the in baseball, like imagine, you know, a guy has a super wide strike zone for eight and eight and a half innings. Right. And then in the bottom of the ninth, all of a sudden he tries to he tightens it up. Like that's gonna that's gonna piss people off. That's kind of what we what we saw yep. in this game because Identical. in the first, second, third quarter, that jersey pull that we saw at the last play that wouldn't have been, that's not called. But now since mm-hmm. the game's on the line, um, it's a close game. It's the playoffs. I guess they paid attention a little bit more. They were more focused on 
what was going on during the play, and then they that's when they saw it. I think I think referees yeah. need to have kind of some self awareness for how the game has transpired to the point of where it's to the to the end of the game, and then kind of not say not like ignore a blatant penalty, but like unless it's not unless it's egregious, you shouldn't call it in that situation. And the craziest part I think about that last call was how late the flag came in. Yeah. And even Joe Buck said right away. Joe Buck right away said that was a really late flag. Like everybody was like the play happened. You saw the jersey get pulled, but everyone was like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Like, are they really not going to call a flag? And then you see it come in. And I'm like, again, it's like if they didn't throw a flag there, I think I would have been probably pissed either way because every every kind of penalty uh, up to that point was, yes, bad that, that they missed. But this one just looked even worse because you saw that jersey get stretched out so much. And the fact that it seemed like they really hesitated throwing the flag it, it, it was just very strange to me. It just seemed like yeah. they were all kind of on the same page to like, let them, let them play. Yeah. It's like all the referees looked at each other. Like, oh, is, are we going to throw this? Are we going to throw it? And then somebody yeah. finally decided, yeah, I guess I have to throw it. I just, it, it mm-hmm. was just sad that it ended like that. Cause it was a really good game. Like it was very, awesome you're on game. your edge of the seat the entire time. Tampa Bay was up mm-hmm. big. Rogers is making a second half comeback. Like he does all so often. And they had an opportunity. I mean, we, we were going to rip the floor for the entire offseason over what he did. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, it, it, it worked because he kicked the field goal down by five and you essentially got the stop. But, you know, yeah, you got that flag um, after the game, they asked Rogers about his future. He was very, um, very quiet and very um, sneaky, I guess, about his future, says he has no idea what's going to happen. I think personally, Matt that it's kind of just an empty threat. I don't I don't think he's going yeah. anywhere. But yeah, who, I mean, where just would he look- go that gives him a better a chance to win in an NFC where, you know, it's it, the AFC is, you know, miles and miles and miles ahead of the mm-hmm. NFC in terms of talent, in terms of quarterbacks, what have you. And then the NFC, it's really a 43-year-old Tom Brady, and that's kind of who you're – measuring up yourself against i don't see yeah uh, unless he has unless his ego just completely takes him out of green bay i don't see a better situation mm-hmm. for him out there the, the the only there's only really two like realistic possibilities obviously you could say any team not with the with the quarterback not named mahomes is going to go after aaron Rodgers. same kind of thing we said about watson too so not looking at, at all those teams, just two teams in particular are one, the Colts, again, being they have the whole team built. They just kind of need a plug and play quarterback. But two, and this is the one that I think is a more realistic possibility, is the Niners. Because you have to remember, yeah. he, he's a Cali kid. So he has his, his roots over there. So maybe that's something that kind of interests him and he wants to go there. And I know the Niners seem to be very, very done with Garoppolo. Yeah, and the Niners, everybody forgets because they were so terrible this year. They were so banged up. They made the Super Bowl last year, and they beat Rodgers mm-hmm. to get there in the NFC Championship game. I don't think the Colts are realistic for Rodgers. I think the Colts want like a younger guy. I think Stafford's going to end up mm-hmm. being that guy. But if I'm Rodgers, I don't want to go to the AFC. I don't want to go to the AFC at my age, this late in my career, mm-hmm. and I have to deal with all these you know, mid-20s superstars. I might not even see a championship game ever again if i go to the afc like if he goes to the colts or the patriots right or Mm -hmm. you know name any other afc team out there the dolphins that need a quarterback like there's no guarantee you get by a mahomes or watson or a jackson or an allen it's much tougher over Mm -hmm. there than in the nfc i think he has a nice comfortable safe home in the nfc and i think if he goes anywhere Mm -hmm. i think you make a good point i think it would be san francisco with that said, I don't think he will. No, I, I think that was that was a very just emotional thing. And half of his statement was true, saying that a lot of people, a lot of his teammates, uh, like kind of futures are on the line because uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, both the running backs, are up up for uh, free agency. I'm sure they'll bring one of them back. But I'm pretty sure for the most part, everyone else is kind of back. And it's just it, when you look at the Packers – roster like they're still awesome like they they they, maybe they lack like one 
big maybe, maybe they lack like a safety i don't know maybe uh, but like their 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 d line was getting good out, pass though, rush because like how much better would the packers have been this year if they drafted in the first round a guy to help rogers instead of replace him yeah, that's yeah, a big see, difference that, that's a question that we're gonna have to answer once rogers is gone like if love comes in seamlessly and keeps the packers competitive then you're going to say, all right, well, it made sense. But I do definitely understand that thought process, especially because they traded up a couple spots to, to get up. Yeah, but there. What, I'm pretty like, sure. Who would you rather have now in a, for a team that has a Super Bowl window open? Would you rather have the heir apparent that might not see the light of day for two or three years? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather have, you know, that big defensive guy that's going to make that stop or, you know, another weapon for Rodgers to compliment Devontae Adams? Like, you could make the argument that if they picked somebody else, uh, just Jeffries, you know, a receiver in that first round. Remember last mm. year was such a heavy receiver draft in the first round. Yeah. You might make the case that that's the difference right there between a win and a loss. Even though Rodgers was so yeah. great in the regular season, he's going to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. In that championship game, maybe that second weapon that they didn't get and they got Jordan Love instead, that was the difference. Yeah, I think... I think even outside of the draft, I think they were just very lazy in free agency too. Like, like, I don't, I don't think I don't remember the last. That's time what I mean. So someone like, oh my god, the Packers got this guy. I don't remember that ever happening. That that's what I mean. So even even if we just take take the draft out of it, because I think again with Jordan Love, there's a lot to be determined with that question. But I just think yeah, like their biggest free agent acquisition was what Tavon Austin in the middle of the season. Or their linebacker, linebacker Kirksey, who had a good game, but it's like nothing jumps off the page even remotely. So I think, and again, this is something I was listening on the uh, Pat McAfee show was talking about. You look at the Bucks and you look at the Chiefs, like they're selling out right now. I mean, you give Mahomes a half a billion dollar deal. You look at the Bucks; they got Brady and then they got Gronk, and they bolstered up that line with again, like you said, with the first round pick. So those are two teams that are completely selling out to win now. Whereas the Packers are like, they don't really know what they are. They're just good enough because they have Aaron Rodgers and they have good weapons around him. Not and the great, conference but is weak. Good. That too. So they don't really know what they're doing. And I feel like to, to your point that like, if they're not going to say get aggressive this off season, then maybe Rodgers says, Hey, like I'm, I'm out. Like, yeah. image, like if you just it's this there's yeah, almost I definitely nothing left see, form like, a power play where Rogers goes up to the ownership. He's like, help me or get rid of me. Cause it's like, yeah, he's been carrying that franchise on his shoulders for so long. And it's been yeah. 10 years, and, 11 years since they won that Super Bowl, And they haven't even been back and, since. It's not like they've been to a couple and lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In an and NFC that hasn't been great. Like if you look at the yeah, franchise actually into the Super Bowl since the Packers the NFC representative mm-hmm. since the Packers, you got, you know, it hasn't even been the Seahawks. It's been the Eagles. It's been the Falcons. It's been the one hit one Rams. Like why are the Rams in yeah. and the Packers aren't who, uh, who else? Mm-hmm. There's um the Panthers. Like if all these teams, you're yeah, like, it's the Niners have made it twice. I think, I don't know. It, the, yeah. It's, it's a shame. And it's, I think mm-hmm. it's on the organization as itself itself that Rogers hasn't been in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at his you look at his contract real quick that so he's owed uh, 37 million next year. And then he has a, a potential out after that year where they could cut him or trade him, whatever. And it's only like 17 million in dead cap. Now, I don't think you can cut or trade Aaron Rodgers. I really don't unless he wants to. But you figure he's on contract for the next three years yeah. and then He's you're probably he's not resigning with the Packers. He's either going to retire or he probably goes somewhere else. I would heavily assume. Why not just sell out for the next three years? And then at the very least, if at the end of three years they don't win, then you plug and play Jordan Love into a perfectly kind of formatted team that is ready. Doesn't to, it make to, it to even of... more silly that you drafted Jordan Love when Rodgers has four years left on his contract going into this season? Well. Yeah, that it's, so if he it plays out like it was all just... of it. So if he played this year, he plays the next three years, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say he's out after that third year, he retires. Then you got Jordan Love for how many more years on his rookie deal? One to see if he's the guy. Yeah, that, that's the it's like, yeah, it's like I don't hate the move as far as going quarterback, but I do kind of hate it as far as doing it in this specific year. Like it just it almost seemed like a year or if two too early. 
Yeah, it's not like they had like it's not like Rodgers got hurt right last year and yeah. they bottomed out and they like kind of like mm-hmm. what the Colts did. The Colts lucked out. Yeah, with Peyton Manning getting hurt because they wouldn't have literally, had literally one lucked out. And they didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's not of course Peyton Manning getting hurt is not lucky, but they yeah. were opportunistic. That's the better word. They're opportunistic getting yeah. that first round, first overall pick that they wouldn't have got if Peyton Manning played it all that year. So it's mm-hmm. not like that happened to the Packers or Rodgers had like a Peyton Manning type injury and they had, mm-hmm. you know, who was the first quarterback picked last year? I can't even remember. Andrew Luck. Burrow, like Burrow. Like if they didn't. Oh, Burrow, Burrow yeah. that year. Yeah. So I don't know. It's rough. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting offseason mm-hmm. for the Packers, but they go home. Let's talk about the team that moves on to the Super Bowl, the Bucks. Brady, his 10th Super Bowl, first year in Tampa Bay, goes to the Super Bowl. Like, uh, I, of course he did. That's just, I guess, the way it works. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, it, Brady's performance was, uh, other than that big, long pass at the end of the first half, it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. a great Tom Brady performance. He was 10 to thir- 20 to 36, 283 and 3. That's not lighting anything up, but he did what he needed yeah. to do to win. Will it be enough against the Chiefs? I don't know. We'll get into that next week when we really dissect that game. But he did what he needed to mm-hmm. do. The, the The Buccaneers are moving on. I thought that going into the season, everyone thought the Buccaneers would be interesting. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone actually thought they'd go to the Super Bowl. I think people were like, if Brady leads the Bucs to the playoffs, maybe wins a round, that's enough. Yeah. That's what everyone wanted to see, and he brought them to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's like, it, again, it's another one of those things with Brady. It's like, are we really surprised that he's playing in another Super Bowl? And like you said, it's it's whether he's carrying them or leading them or not, he's part of a team that is going to the Super Bowl for his tenth or eleventh time, whatever it is. And it's just, again, it's just it's awesome to see that somebody can do what he's doing at forty three years old. And again, you're looking at just kind of hit the last game there. His first half was insane. He was damn near perfect. Second half obviously went off the rails a little bit with with three bad picks. But just in the grand scheme of things, he's still doing enough to win your team games. And he's a smart enough guy where he's going to cut down on, on the uh, turnovers. He's not a guy who usually turns it over, as we see year in and year out. So that, to me, I wouldn't be worried as a Bucks fan. And then it's like you're you're 43 years old, and there's no signs of stopping or slowing down. Yeah. Physically, he's still got the arm. He's only getting smarter. It's just, it's crazy. It got, I we don't see know guys that are his age. Stop like he, he beat the saints last week and we saw, you know, breeze is mm-hmm. what at least the same age or maybe even younger by a year yeah, like or eight, eight or 16 months younger yeah, or something like that. His arm is completely done. He, he has shot. His arm yeah. is completely shot and Brady. He's flicking up these hail Marys at the end of the halves, scoring touchdowns, bringing his team to Super Bowl. It's something we never really ever seen before. I think a lot of people who hated New England so much and therefore hated Brady never admitted that he's, you mm-hmm. know, the best of all time. But now that he's done it with his second organization, I don't think there's any doubt now, regardless of what happens in a couple of weeks at the Super Bowl, that this is probably mm-hmm. the best quarterback we've ever seen. Because what was the knock on yeah. Brady in New England? System guy, Belichick, yeah. kind of a dink and dunk kind of passer, never really airs it out. Hasn't mm-hmm. been like that in Tampa. Now they got off to a slow start. By you know Tom Brady standards in the beginning, I think they started seven and five. They got blown out by the Chiefs yeah. to get to seven and go from seven and four to seven and, and the five. Saints, the Saints and then, twice. Yeah, and then since then they've rattled off how many wins now, and now are in the Super Bowl. All three play- playoff games on the road. It's it's mm-hmm. really impressive, and what's also really impressive that doesn't get a lot of hype because obviously you have Tom Brady. Their defense is really really good. They had five sacks. Yeah, yesterday. Um. Obviously, you know, held Rodgers for that on that controversial um, goal goal to go situation. Everyone talks about not going for it on fourth down, but you know, go, give the Buccaneers credit for stopping him on first, second, and third down because not a lot of teams can do that with Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau in January. So mm-hmm. you got to respect that defense. Yeah, no, I mean, I think again, I want to say we talked about it like maybe preseason, maybe week one, week two. But talking about their defense, and it, it was something that I only, I must have been watching ESPN at the right time. And I think it was only like maybe Lewis Riddick was the only one who really gave them any credit early on in the season. And they have two like rookie safeties or cornerbacks. I know uh, 
uh, Antoine Winfield is one of them. He was out that game. And I think Armstead or Armstrong, I forgot his name. He was another either slot corner or safety that also got injured in the Packers game. Hopefully both will be back in, uh, in the Super Bowl, but I mean, you look at their defensive front. I mean, Nam the Kung Su is still there. Shaq Barrett is a stud. JPP is a stud. Sorry to the Giants fan. Vita Vea came back, former first rounder, D tackle. And then you have uh, 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 Levante David at uh, at linebacker. It's just like an absolutely, like, just perfectly constructed team, just kind of up the middle. And it's just they're putting insane pressure on Rodgers. And they showed it when they played him earlier in the regular season when the Bucs did. And then you kind of saw it again. Like, Rodgers just didn't really, like, he couldn't just sit there all day like sometimes he usually can. And I think Packers not having Bakhtiari, their left tackle, really showed up and hurt them. Yeah, Rodgers was running for his life the, the entire game. Five sacks. JPP had two. So I watched Buccaneers games, and then I'm like, oh, my God, JPP's still in the league? And then yeah, no, I, I don't want to post. I don't want. I don't want to get into it. I mean, it's it, it's crazy, but yeah, the defense was great. Brady was good enough. He had a great first half. I, I I'm looking at the final line, so it doesn't cross my head that you know, the first half were so, yo, know, incredible. But you know, Tampa Bay, man, I don't think anyone really expected because they were so up and down. Remember, there was like, you know, Arians was like kind of critiquing Brady in post-game practice conferences. Everyone's like looking around like, what, what are the, what's going on over there? Why would you do that? But, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. it worked. And now they have a chance in the Super Bowl. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, Tampa in the Super Bowl in Tampa. It's something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would assume that, you know, the Buccaneers logos and stuff still get taken down because it's still quote-unquote neutral. So I'm not yeah, sure. probably. I, I think they'll still, you know – take the Buccaneers logos down throughout the stadium. Can't the take only, down the pirate ship. Take down the pirate ship or at least make it a little bit more <laughs> neutral. Um the only Buccaneers <laughs> we'll, thing we'll see will be the it'll be the end they'll probably keep the same end zone, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. You know, I don't think it's gonna be a home field advantage because the twenty two thousand people, I think they're all first responders and healthcare workers from around. I saw like I think it was like seventy five hundred R and you figure what the other Whatever number that is is probably split 50-50 between Bucks and Chiefs. Yeah, I, I'm sure the Chiefs or will just definitely fans travel. of the Chiefs game. Fans or will whatever. definitely travel, but anything on the secondary market, you would just assume that it would be gobbled up by people from Tampa, right? And it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame that to. it's a shame that we don't have normal circumstances because what would it be like mm-hmm. if there was no COVID and stadiums were full capacity? How much of a home field advantage would it be? Because we've never seen it, so we don't know, right? Yeah. So would the Chiefs fans, would they travel in a large group and kind of negate and make it more of a neutral site? Or would Tampa Bay just completely sell out by all the tickets on the secondary market and you have like an 80-20 advantage for the Buccaneers? We're not going to get to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's going to be. And again, you, you saw it definitely in uh, the Chiefs game, which we'll get into. But those fans, even though it was only probably like yeah. 8,000, we're so loud. Like, I can't wait until we see a full capacity. Like, it's going to be deafening. Yeah, I know. But, like, I was watching the both games, and both stadiums looked pretty full. I know it was only yeah, 9,000 I mean. in Green Bay, but it looked much more than that. It looked at least 50%. I, I think, I don't know. They must be fibbing or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it definitely looked like, especially the Chiefs game, looked like a lot more. There was a lot of people there. But, you know, we will see... Tampa Bay in Tampa. That's something I've always wanted to see. So I'm happy we're getting to see it mm-hmm. like a home play, yeah. a home Super Bowl. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be interested to see. Um, I texted you and Garrett. I think it's going to be a very highly rated Super Bowl. I think it's going to be one of the highest. Yeah, because we're going to get into the Chiefs yeah. game now. But just really quickly, you know, the old goat, right? The old greatest of mm-hmm. all time against the kid that, you know, some people might say, 15 years from now might eclipse Brady as the greatest of all time. So I think this is mm-hmm. kind of that LeBron versus Kobe finals that we never got to see. And we're seeing it in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be the, the highest rated uh, and highest viewed kind of Super Bowl, And honestly, a sporting event ever. Like yeah, everybody think of anything home. like bigger. That's going to be, everyone's going to be home. And it's like, I, I can't imagine the numbers it's going to get and just the, the amount of money that the television networks and just the NFL is going to bring in is going to be absurd. Like, again, I'm, I don't think I've ever been this excited 
for a Super Bowl in my life, to be honest. Well, your team's never obviously been you're different. <laughs> my, yeah, I, that's a different story. Yeah, but I'll agree with you. All, of all the yeah. non-giant Super Bowls in my lifetime, or my like NFL fandom consciousness, this is the one I'm most excited mm-hmm. about. Yeah, it's just it's just again like you said, it's the old versus the young. Is this going to be the change of the guard? Or is this going to be the hey kid, not so fast from Brady? And it's just I'm super excited for it. Yeah, and then like Brady, he for his whole career, he's basically been a part of the dynasty. Now he's the guy trying to mm-hmm. stop the dynasty, right? Because yeah, that's a, that's if a great Chiefs point. Win, that's back to back. That hasn't happened in 20 years. You could easily make the mm-hmm. argument that Kansas City's making a dynasty. Kind of like the Warriors did, yeah. kind of like how the Yankees did in the '90s, kind of how like the Patriots have done over mm-hmm. 20 years. So that is something that we're going to get into a lot of next week's episode because obviously they have the week off in between the championship Sunday and the Super Bowl Sunday. But let's get into mm-hmm. the Bills Chiefs now. You know, throughout the entire week leading up to this game, Matt, I saw a lot of people taking the Bills, and I would just like mm-hmm. scratch my head. I'm like, have you watched the Chiefs play? At, mm-hmm. at any game over the last three years, even when they got down nine nothing, as someone who was rooting for the Chiefs and someone who loves Mahomes, I was like, that's nothing. Like, I'm not scared mm-hmm. at all. I don't think anyone in the building was scared. And they seem to be, they seem to play better when they're behind. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think the, after the nine nothing, it was what, a 38 to like six run that they made or 31, 38 yeah. to something run. They just, they have this mm-hmm. way to turn on a switch and just, destroy team they're just better than everybody else at this point yeah it's they they play better they're coached better and it's just talent wise they are better it's just like their wide receiving core they're track stars they're absolutely they didn't even have sammy stars. Watkins. And then, and that's what i mean so it's like you took away one of their pieces and then uh i remember seeing someone on twitter was like all right like your only goal basically in the game is to stop either either uh kelsey or hill but both of them eclipsed a hundred yards and both had touchdowns or something like that. So it was like you, and even if you stop one, weapons. if you stop, let's say you stop Hill, Kelsey still mm-hmm. can beat you by himself. You can, you can, Mahomes can still win a game with Kelsey alone. So you yeah, have to, it, it, too. you have to stop both of them and you, it's impossible. It's like, it's just theoretically impossible to stop both. Yeah. I mean, it kind of raises the question, like, is this 2020 chiefs team, the greatest offense of all time. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I never thought of that. You're kind of putting me on the spot here. I mean, that 07 uh, Patriots but it's just, team that went 16 and 0, that was a great offense. They lost to the Giants, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure everybody knows this, but <laughs> it's a great offense. It, it's, it's, but a it's just like, offense. I, I, like, I don't know how you game plan against them. You, you can't because Tyreek Hill is probably stars. the fastest wide receiver we've ever seen. Like, he can go from zero to 100 real quick. Um, you yeah. got Kelsey, who's just a nightmare in the red zone, especially. Mm-hmm. And then you got Sammy Watkins. Can you imagine if this team had any sort of running game? Yeah, if they had it, any it, sort it, of running game that we should just not play a season. Yeah, it's it just again, it's just there's just the way too dynamic, and it's like Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over, so you factor that in too that they're getting their money's worth every time they touch the ball. And then you kind of referenced earlier saying how they play almost better from behind. And I think that's because they play with more urgency. And then when you give the most dynamic team uh, a sense of urgency, they they score in two seconds. It's just when you watch them play, it's crazy. It's like, who is going to stop that offense? Yeah, this game did not surprise me at all. A lot of people took the Bills in this game. I was like, what are you doing? Why would you do something so stupid? Not saying the Bills are bad. They're definitely a very good team, but... There's yeah. just a level, there's just another level that the Chiefs are on by themselves. I'm kind of tipping my hand over who I'm going to go with next week or two weeks from now mm-hmm. when I make my prediction for the Super Bowl. But I don't know how anybody beats this team. Even the best, like the 85 Bears defense did not have to deal with what the Chiefs run mm-hmm. out there week in and week out with Mahomes and Watkins and Hill and Kelsey it's... and all these different guys. It's a different guy every week. It's it's stupid, but I guess we'll yeah. spend the most of our time on this game talking about the team that was eliminated because there's a lot to talk about, especially what happened at the end of the game. Um, Josh yes. Allen, we talk about how Mahomes is just he, he nothing bothers him, right? Mm-hmm. There was a, a few points during this game, not just you know the temper flaring at the end. There was a lot of moments mm-hmm. in this game where Allen just seems a little, a little in too deep, right? He's very he's still very mm-hmm. young. The first time he's in a championship game, 
he just it just seemed to me that the moment got a little ahead of him in this matchup. Yeah. No, I definitely thought so too. And it's like, like you said, he's only probably what, 24, 25. Yeah. So he's still young. And this was his first AFC championship. Now that doesn't excuse him. I, I think he's just kind of a little bit soft. And again, like you said, I do think a lot of things bother him. And then you see Mahomes, who's similar age, that things don't bother him nearly as much. I mean, I've seen him throw four, th- three or four interceptions at the Dolphins. You would have had no idea. But uh, Allen just, he, he looked almost just kind of just flustered out there and you saw it in his play. I mean, he had, he got sacked four times, but he got, he got sacked four times for 53 yards. That's like an absurd amount of yards to lose per sack. So like, that's something it just looked like maybe he was trying to do too much. I mean, again, you saw it at the end of the game that they were only down like 14 or 16 and they're taking crazy long sacks. It's like, you're still in the game. But it, it just seemed like the game was – they already kind of admitted defeat by the way they were playing and kind of he was playing. And then you just – obviously you saw that everything went off the rails by the end. Yeah, he definitely needs to learn to throw the ball away in these situations and not try to be the hero. Um, the kind of shuffle pass into the face mask of Okafor was completely uncalled for and just completely mm-hmm. stupid. I don't know why yeah. – I don't know what prompted him to do that. I don't know if Okafor said something after the sack. But you can't do that. I don't care if you're losing. I don't care if you're embarrassed by how you've played. That's just that's the difference between, you know, a Josh Allen and a Patrick Mahomes. Like who's gonna be yeah. like a mature adult in the room where even though things don't go well, you don't allow yourself to unravel. Now, nine nothing yeah. isn't a insurmountable lead for any quarterback, let alone Patrick Mahomes. But you go back a year mm-hmm. ago, they were down twenty-four nothing to the Texans in the divisional round. Yeah. They were down a lot. Then I don't have the exact number at the top of my head, but they were down in that next AFC championship game against the Titans. Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. didn't act like that. Patrick Mahomes yeah. put his head down and he let a comeback. Now I know there was a lot more time yeah. in those two games for Mahomes to make a comeback than the three minutes left for mm-hmm. Allen. It was pretty much decided at that point, but just like the principle of being a franchise quarterback, being a leader, you can't make petty um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties like that. That's just really bad, and that should be a lesson learned for the future. Yeah. Because I think, I think Allen's going to be really good. I think Allen. I don't think this is the last time we've seen the Bills on this weekend, this championship weekend. I think they'll be mm-hmm. back um, before it's all said and done with Josh Allen. But I think he needs to learn from this mistake because that's just not how a franchise quarterback conducts himself. Yeah, I just I get I, I get so confused with football and you just see the tempers flare. It's like 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 honestly, it's like you're grown men. How dumb can you be? I mean, you saw it with what Allen's obviously penalty. Then you see the linemen coming over, barreling each other over. Then the next play they're doing they're throwing fists. It's like you're still in this game. Like I know it, it may be a very tough uh, a tough deficit to come back from, but you're still in this game. And you saw they got the the onside kick shortly after or shortly before. It's like you prove you still can do it, but you got it just it, it was such a weird thing to unfold. And again, as me as a Dolphin fan, I loved it. I loved every second of it because I think Sean McDermott is a great coach and discipline stuff like that. I think stems from the coaching staff, but to see them kind of end their whole season on a sour note like that, I, I think it, it was a complete joke on their part. And I think the bills for kind of what they did towards the end. It was, it was laughable because they, they honestly, who knows what happens if you don't give uh, the chiefs 15 yards and all that, all those kind of unnecessary penalties and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause you're still down. Well, they were down 16, right. Or 17. I believe it was six. It's maybe even 17. Something it was like 17 that. because they, I think they went for two and didn't get it when they didn't yes. really need the yeah. two. Which would have made yeah, it they could have went for one. Got the one, which is another conversation we could yeah. have about another coaching mistake. Like, why go for two there when you don't need it? But I guess we'll shelve mm-hmm. it because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah, the Bills need to do better than that. And I saw a video mm-hmm. at the end of the game where Diggs was the only one watching the celebration. Diggs is a guy. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Diggs he he kind of got a little heated. Too, I think he was shoving around, but yeah, yeah, he almost, yeah, he almost got into a fight too. And then Isaiah yeah. McKenzie, he's had a guy that's been there and before. He, he had away. that run with the Vikings a few years ago. He should know better. Yeah. But you know, it just it was it wasn't a good look for Buffalo. But with that said, no, I still not, think not that a... they're gonna. I think I think they're gonna be fine. I think they have a good core. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's obvious that they were just not ready for this game. 
not in terms of preparation, but just talent wise and just, I guess, being on the level of what the Chiefs have experienced the last couple of years, they just weren't ready for Kansas City. Yeah. And I know no one for some reason seems to want to say it because everybody's been on the Josh Allen train. And again, he had a phenomenal season. I still think he's going to be a good quarterback. He's not on Mahomes' level. We can get that out of the no. way now. But the, the last great. two weeks, the, the last two weeks, he did not play well. And you could say, yes, the, the defense played well against him. But this game specifically, if you go wa- back and watch the highlights or whatever, the Chiefs dropped probably three picks of his. And then a lot of the plays he was making was just staring down one receiver and just throwing it as hard as he could and hoping it found a guy. Yeah, like you saw his high. connect. Yeah, there was a lot of times, yeah, a lot of throws in this game where I'm like, this kid's nervous here. And that, you know, yes. not everyone ha- not yeah. not everyone has like a stone face like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers where the moment doesn't get too big for them. Some guys mm-hmm. need to like settle down. And I think that happens in your first championship game. And I think the next time Allen's in this situation, I think he'll perform a lot better. But there are definitely throws that I remember one uh, pass that was just in the hands of the def- of the cornerback. Yeah. And he just stared him down the whole time because the way the TV angle yeah. was, it was down the far side like that way you can see. Everyone mm-hmm. watching on TV can see. And once, yeah. once the ball left his hand, I said out loud, that's a pick. And, you know, yeah. unfortunately for the Chiefs defender, he dropped it. But, you know. Allen needs to make better decisions, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's just it's like it's it, it's yeah. Again, it, it, you weren't probably beating the Chiefs anyway, but it's all right to say that he had a bad two weeks. He had a bad game against the Chiefs, and he had a bad game against the Ravens. And you can make the argument defenses. that they were fortunate to get past Indianapolis too. I, I, I agree there too, but that's what I mean. It, I don't know why people are so afraid to say like he did bad. Like no one's saying he's a bad quarterback. But he had two bad weeks. And I said that after the Colts game, I don't know, maybe to you or to Stick. I forgot who it was to, but I was saying that the Buffalo's offense was looking a little suspect. And again, they, they weren't dazzling me like you saw a week prior when they demolished the Dolphins. Like they, they weren't doing much. And again, you saw where they had a, a pick six that basically won them the game against the Ravens. So they only scored the offense only scored what 10 points. So and three of those are the kicker anyway. So we only had one offensive touchdown. And then it was kind of no surprise to see that even this game, too, whether you want to say the Chiefs had a they played well on defense or not, they just didn't do well. And like one of the touchdowns was kind of a little bit of a garbage time towards the end. But prior to that, it was just very flat on their part. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for the Bills. I mean, I'm sure I, I I've said before, like in the last couple of minutes, I think they'll be back, but it's not gonna get any easier yeah. for them. Because no. Mahomes isn't going anywhere. He's going to be on the Chiefs for the next 20 years, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. And then his own divi- the Bills' own division, this was kind of a transitional year for the AFC East where they were the only team yeah. really built to win. Now, next year, yeah, you would 100%. think the Dolphins are better. The Dolphins are going to get much better with the picks and the, ca- and the cap they have. The Jets, if they get Deshaun Watson and spend their money wisely, they could be right up there. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. that one of these quarterbacks that are in limbo to move somewhere are going to end up in the hands of Bill Belichick. So mm-hmm. Buffalo, 13-3, and three, kind of ran away with the AFC East with a lot of teams that are kind of still building. Eventually, those teams yeah. are going to be built up to compete with Buffalo. So mm-hmm. Buffalo might have had their best chance to glide through a division and get to the championship Sunday. It's going to be much tougher for them moving forward in the next few years because the AFC is going to do, AFC East is going to improve as long as those organizations make the right calls with their draft picks and their roster construction. Yeah, and again, at the very least, if you want to take the Dolphins, the Jets out of it, you know the Patriots are going to be a ton better next year. Yeah. You just know for a fact because that defense is still intact. They still have everybody, and they're going to get everybody they lost from, from COVID back. And again, they're going to get a quarterback who's going to be better than Cam Newton. That shouldn't be too hard to find. And I think they're still going to restock on, because they have a ton of cap space to restock on some wide receivers that they haven't really had in the past two, three years. So again, even take, just taking away two teams out of the AFCs, you know, for a fact that the, the Patriots are going to be giving the bills a run for their money. You think the Patriots reunite with Garoppolo? So I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't but see do you the think Patriots... they'll go with like a Stafford or you know a higher pedigree quarterback. See, the, the reason I want to say no is because they clearly liked Garoppolo. And I know you, you say, all right, well, they trade him away too, but there was obviously some internal 
odd oddities going on with Brady wanting Garoppolo out and stuff like that. But they they held on to Garoppolo and they uh, they parted with him for second round pick, which was very good compensation. And I think he's a guy that obviously is familiar with the system. So kind of who who knows really you what, know what happens. Loves I would, him because Belichick actually picked him over exactly. Brady, and it was a craft decision yeah. to do it the other way. So I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Garoppolo gets reunited in New England. However, I don't think the Patriots are going to overpay by any means. Where do you think Stafford ends up? I, I, I think the Patriots are an option. I think Stafford's best bet is probably Indy. I, I think, think so too. It, it's not going to cost Indy too much to get him. Maybe at the most a first-round pick, but I still don't think so. I think maybe a two and a three. And I think Indy, again, is just they're a perfect team right now because they still don't really have anyone up for – up for uh, uh, extensions, any key guys. So this is another kind of window for them to say, hey, bring in Stafford for two years, and then by the time he's gone, you're hopefully going to have someone on deck. They're in a very weird situation, the Colts, that they're almost built for plug-and-play, plug-and-play guys, like every two, three years. So if it's working, so be it, but eventually yeah. you're going to need a long-term plan. I mean, there's this off season for the NFL is going to be crazy because you got a Dak. I think situation. so too. Dak Prescott needs to be figured out one way or the other. Where's mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson going to go? Because it came out that even with even if they hire who they he wants them to hire now, he still wants out. He doesn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know Stafford. There's Garoppolo. There's you know maybe Rodgers. There's so many quarterbacks in the air this off season. I don't think we've ever seen so many quarterbacks that are up for grabs. Um, and then you look at. You know, who's available in the draft? All these quarterbacks in the draft. I think there's going to be a lot of quarterback Mm -hmm. movements this offseason. Yeah, and I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there is that obviously trades and free agency happen before the draft. So I think every mock draft that we'll eventually get to and every mock draft that you see with teams taking quarterbacks, that all is probably going to do a 180 depending on what they do in free agency beforehand. I don't take mock drafts seriously until like April. Like I I look at them doing them. I look at them for fun and I'll do them, but like Mm -hmm. you don't really know anything until like April. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Again, I'm the same way. I do them religiously, but deep in my mind, I'm like, I know that there's like a a very slim chance that any of this is going to be correct. I kind of just do it just to get familiar with some of the guys. And the combine is going to be virtual, right? Is that how they're doing it? Well, they're, so they have the senior bowl that starts, I think, tomorrow is the first time. And the Dolphins are coaching one team, the Panthers are coaching the other. But I still think they're having the combine, but there's no pro days. There's no like individual workouts that they usually could do. So the senior bowl is going to take, uh, is going to get a lot of eyes on it, I think, from a lot of teams. And obviously, scouts and stuff like that from the NFL teams are still there anyway. But I think there's going to be a little bit more emphasis because they know this might be the only chance you get your hands on them. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be it's gonna be completely different because you know they're not gonna be there. They can't do face to face interviews, um, mm-hmm. so it just, it's gonna be a crazy off season. Uh, Carson I, Wentz, I, I, Jalen Hurts, another, so, another quarterback yeah. situation that needs to be fixed. Um, I don't. <laughs> there's gonna be no shortage of things to, for us to talk about during the off season. Um, Again, and and the NFL isn't like the MLB where stuff doesn't happen. I think yes, yeah, everything is gonna, gonna be quickly. awesome. Things are going to happen really quickly. Next week, we are going to get into the Super Bowl matchup between Tampa mm-hmm. Bay and Kansas City. Um, we're going to have we're, we're dedicate the entire hour to that game. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is an absolutely unbelievable matchup we're going to get. I think, yeah, I think this is exactly what everybody would probably want. Like outside yeah. the team that you root for and you're a fan of mm-hmm. getting there, I think that this is probably the most intriguing matchup that you can possibly find for this game. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's everything that this country needs right now with everything with the, the 2020 that we had the NFL season. And again, tip of the cap to the NFL too. They didn't have any games canceled. So nope. well done on, on their part. NHL does, where... NBA does NFL, NFL did yeah. a great job. Aside from that Bronco yeah. game where they didn't have a quarterback. They did good. Yes, but that was their own fault. That was, that was their own fault. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. I think the NFL is in good shape. Um, the weekend performs at halftime. What else am I thinking? What else? What other? I'll NFL pump up for that too. 
Um, I think Miley Cyrus is doing a pregame show, so you know that I'm going to be all over. Oh, that I don't know that. For <laughs> that, <laughs> I think it's on TikTok or something. I think TikTok's doing something with that, so I'm all over that. Oh, that's great. Um, love the commercials. Can't wait for what commercials come out. Yes, it's Super Bowl weekend. Mm-hmm. It's it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's, the best. it's a holiday. It's a holiday. And thankfully, there's going to be some people in the stadium, so it's not like an empty, quiet Super Bowl because nobody wants that. Um, nope. And how about Tony Romo predicting after the original Chiefs Buccaneers game that this would be the Super Bowl? The guy's a genius. This it, it, it's good. He's getting paid $15, 20000000 million. Dollars. Not Double enough. It. Double it. It's, it's, it's never enough. It's amazing. Oh, it's my amazing. God. So that will just about do it for this week's episode where we recap the championship Sunday. Um, next week, as I said, we will do a full, 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 full preview of Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. But until then, we're going to wrap it up. For Matt Ferrara, my name is Glenn Denier saying so long and enjoy the week off from football this week.